Hello, I'm Anthony Morrow, and welcome to the Get On The Money podcast. This is the podcast where I give you those money lessons you never got to have at school. I've worked in the finance industry for 20 years. I got fed up watching people who don't need any help get richer, while the people who need the most help continue to struggle. Every other week, I'll give you a bite-sized lesson about money, what I'm calling your financial survival toolkit. In this episode, you're going to get the toolkit to help make sure you pay your taxes if you become self-employed or start work as a freelancer. You're going to hear from Fidat. Fidat's in her 20s. She's studying and working. And like many young people, she's expecting to freelance when she graduates. When it comes to like the whole taxes thing, I'm just like, I have no idea what's going on. Thank God I've got like people around me to kind of help me sometimes. But if I didn't, I feel like I'd be in like, big trouble. And I feel like there's a lot of people my age that do the same. And it's like six years down the line, they're going to get on the door, a knock on the door like, excuse me, you owe us £70,000 in taxes. How do you plan to pay that cash or card? <laughs> if you want to sell something that you've made, maybe you want to launch your own fashion brand, or you've got an idea about how to make some money from a side hustle, then you need to know about this. But first... Let me tell you about this item I spotted in the news and how it could affect how you manage your cash. Would you struggle if you didn't have easy access to your cash? During the pandemic, many of us have got used to retailers saying card only to stop money from changing hands and with that, possible germs. But that's not been easy for some people. What if you don't have a bank account or you rely on cash to get you through the day to day? Some people find budgeting is much easier when they've got cash in their pocket, when they can actually see and feel handing over the amount of money needed for that piece of shopping. The post office has launched a campaign called Save Our Cash. They're worried about the fact that over 4,000 bank branches have closed over the last six years. You can get money over the counter at the post office. They have a deal with the banks where you can do that. But... That deal is completely down to the banks to decide if they want to carry on with it. So, the post office is asking the government to make it a legal requirement for the banks to make sure their customers have access to cash that's somewhere local to them. The post office says that 8 million people would struggle day to day without that access and that 1.4 million people who don't have bank accounts would struggle to survive without it. UK Finance is the organisation that represents the banking industry. They say you can now get cash back without having to buy anything and that they're trying to find different ways of accessing cash in eight locations across the country. But is that enough? What do you think? Would it bother you if cash disappeared completely? Let me know at chat at getonthemoneypodcast.com Hi, Fida. Thanks for joining me on Get On The Money. Hi, how are you? Very well, very well. You're in your 20s, you're a student, and you're working part-time at the moment. How are you yeah. finding things? Do you know what? Not as bad, you know. I feel like I just take every day as it comes, and every day's a party. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every day's fine. Yeah, I think it's okay. Is a party how you describe your relationship with money? Do you know what? Like, if a party is, like, getting in there, having a great time, and then leaving with one shoe on, then yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Uh, and does that mean you spend a lot of money on shoes? I didn't say that. I'm joking. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I want to say no. 
you know, I'm going to say this, my sister's worse, just to make myself feel better, my sister's worse. <laughs> yeah. Being a student, cash is always tight. What sort of support do you get? I obviously apply for student finance, like the maintenance loan, which is good. And um, if I do need 20 quid once, you know, I can ask my mum, you know, just once a month or whatever. <laughs> but um, just, yeah, like it's that, to be honest. And sometimes um, I do work part time in it, like a couple of hours a, a week. So that kind of helps as well. And what additional work do you do to boost that income? I'm a youth director at a youth club. So, yeah, that helps. Oh, right. Oh, excellent. How long have you been doing that? Only a couple of months, but it's been amazing. What sort of things do you do there? It's basically just, you know, roam the streets, try and help anyone who needs help. We hold, like, um, little sports um, events. We play football sometimes, we'll play pool, we'll record music with them, teach them how to DJ, that kind of thing. So, yeah. But that sounds fantastic. And how have you found the last 12 months? Well, uh, when it comes to cash, I won't lie. I feel like because um, my mum is like super money savvy. So then this summer she was just like, I want you to be putting £300 every single month in like a little pot. So then by the end of a certain time, you have like 3000 quid or whatever. And you can use it to put it, you know, invest in something, whether you want a car, you want to start saving up for like a house, just anything. But, you know, you'll have like a large amount of money. So these past 12 months have been calm. I've gone into my overdraft a couple of times, but only a couple of times. <laughs> And then, just, yeah, I feel like I've been surviving. I've been okay. Yeah. Your mum sounds as though she's got some uh, very sensible with regards to money. Yeah. Do you think any of that's rubbing off on you? Yes, it is. I keep saying it. My brother and my sister are so much worse than me. Like, I spend quite frugally anyway. I don't really, I don't spend excessively. Like, I don't really spend unless I need to. I'm very, like, smart in terms of knowing where to find things that I need to find, not for, like, a massive price or whatever. Unless I've done something good or unless I've, like, you know, made some, like, money for myself and I'm like, okay, cool, I like those shoes, then I'll buy them. But if not, then I, if I think, like, I don't need it, then I'm just not going to get it. If you do see something you want, so that pair of shoes... Are you someone who saves up for those or can you be quite impulsive? Do you know what? I'm not impulsive until it comes to makeup. <laughs> the shoes, yeah, I would have been thinking about it for a long time. Like, okay, okay, these shoes are coming out at this time. Like, they always get released at a certain time. And I'm just like, okay, can I get these shoes this time? Or should I just wait for the next ones to come out or whatever? But when it comes to makeup, on the other hand, I need to get my card taken away from me and cut up. So, along with the youth work, that you're doing and you're obviously a student you're thinking about freelancing is that something yeah, you're you know looking what? to do i kind of do some of that already like it's just like random things because i work with the organization called contact and then a lot of the times they'll have me go do like um like speeches at different places around the country and stuff like do like some you know talks or whatever that's like the most fun thing in the world and it does pay well or sometimes they'll have me um sit on a panel and interview people sometimes and it's and then that's just money here and there like so obviously when it comes to like the whole taxes thing, I'm just like, I have no idea what's going on. Like thank God I've got like people around me to kinda of help me sometimes. But if I didn't, I feel like I'd be in a I'd be in like big trouble. So just yeah, and I feel like there's a lot of people my age that do the same and it's like six years down the line they're gonna get all on the door, a little knock on the door, like, excuse me, you owe us seventy thousand pounds in taxes. How do you plan to pay that? Cash or card? So <laughs> Yeah. It's interesting you talk about freelancing. One of the things people always get confused about when thinking about going freelancing or setting up their own business is tax. So here's a quick guide. Uh, I've tried to make it simple. Firstly, you can earn £12,570 a year before you have to pay any income tax. But as well as income tax, 
we also have to pay national insurance, which is similar to a tax, but just to keep things complicated, have different limits to which you can earn before you have to start paying. For class two national insurance, then you can earn six and a half thousand pounds before you have to start paying. And for class four national insurance, then you can earn up to nine and a half thousand pounds before you have to start paying. Once you get to these points, then you have to register on the government website as a self-employed freelancer. And then from that point on, you are responsible for filling out a tax return every year. Clear as mud. Yeah, <laughs> something like that, yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, to be fair, the, the government, the HMRC website is pretty good at working these things out. You just have to yeah, put in the numbers. You put the numbers in. Okay. okay. So where, where, people, where people come unstuck is they think, oh, that's ages away. Don't, oh, worry, no. don't worry about that. I'll have enough money then to do that. So what I always say is, and what I do myself, every month I always put some away. It goes into a savings account. And at the point where you have to pay your tax, the amount you've put away should be there or thereabouts. You might have to put a bit more in. You might you might have saved more than you need. Yeah. But it, it means that you're not there with a nasty shock when yeah. you actually come to work it out and you've not saved anything of what you've earned. And you're like, oh, dear. Yeah. It doesn't sound that bad because I feel like a lot of people are scared to start their own businesses or just go freelance because of the whole tax thing. If it was explained to them, they'd understand it very quickly. Like I, I got the grasp of it quite quickly. I feel like a lot of the time they want to start their own businesses, whether it's like a clothing brand or they want to start selling um, just random things or just want to start their own business to offer people certain services. And they're thinking, oh, no, tax this, tax that. Because it looks really, really scary in the newspapers where someone's been caught for tax. Like, it, it's, it, and they think, oh, no, like if I don't do my taxes right, like no one's going to hear any of it. Like I'm just going to get in loads of trouble kind of thing. So I think there's that fear of trying to do that. And they don't really teach us this kind of stuff in school. And I know you've heard this a million times, but they don't. They don't teach you the stuff in school like I went to uni to do psychology I, I doubt that's going to come up in any of my lectures so <laughs> this kind of yeah. this kind of thing really really helps yeah and I think it's also important to realize that a lot of the stories you read in the newspapers about people going to jail for not paying their tax that tends to be people who have deliberately not paid tax yeah they're Different hiding places. it or they're yeah. doing things you know the HMRC are and they were even before the pandemic, but they certainly are now. They're really sympathetic and helpful. Okay. I mean, if you're showing the right intent and you are trying to do the right thing, then particularly when it's your first time, your first couple, if you get something wrong or you've underpaid because you've calculated something wrong, that's not the end of the world. Yeah. You'll have to do that. But the, the, the most important thing to remember is that the income you get is just the starting point and as important as that is it's the costs so whatever expenses you've got always keep track of those because they'll save you money in tax yeah so just save yeah. like the receipts and stuff save the receipts and they are pretty much all deductible okay hmm. don't go putting holidays on there uh -huh. Or nights out with friends and put that under It was a work do. It was a work <laughs> do. It was all the colleagues from work we would have. Well, <laughs> Team you'll bonding. Be, you'll be surprised at what <laughs> sort of things get put through as business expenses. Get on the money. Straight talking. 
No jargon, helping you make sense of your money. FIDAT is really typical of a lot of young people who are navigating the gig economy nowadays. And when you're a freelancer, you have to sort out paying your own tax. It can seem daunting at first, but don't worry, he's an easy to understand guide for you to add to your financial survival toolkit. Earlier, I explained the basics when it comes to when you have to pay tax as a freelancer, but let's recap those numbers. Remember, you can earn a certain amount of money before having to pay any tax at all. It's when you hit these numbers that you have to register as self-employed and start filling out a tax return. Let's just recap those numbers. You can earn up to £12,570 every year before you have to start paying income tax. There is also something called national insurance. And this goes towards providing for your state pension when in many years to come, you choose to retire. Everyone gets it and everyone has to contribute to it. For national insurance, you will pay what are called class two and class four contributions, depending on how much money you earn. You can earn up to £6,515 before you start paying anything. Over and above that, it's a percentage depending on how much you're earning. Class 2 national insurance is a flat fee of £3.05 a week, and that's collected through direct debit. And Class 4 is a percentage, which is currently 9% on your profits over £9,569 a year. It might seem like there are a lot of numbers here to remember, but don't worry, there are lots of tools around to help you, including the government website that's got lots of easy-to-understand information around how much to pay and when. One of the most important things to do when you become self-employed is to make sure you keep records of everything that comes in and everything that you're spending around the business that you're doing. There are lots of accounting apps around that can help you with this, But if you don't feel comfortable using one of these, a simple spreadsheet will help. It's also really important to save money for your tax as you go along. You don't want to be caught out like many people do when they come to submit their tax return on the tax return date and not have enough cash saved up to pay the tax they owe. One good way to do this is to simply set up a separate bank account or savings pot where you can put bits of money away for the tax you think you owe and then completely forget about it until it comes up to tax return date. I mentioned about the timing to FIDAT too. Now this is important. If you started earning money as a freelancer or self-employed today, you would have until the end of January 2023 to get that tax return in. The tax year goes from April to April and then you've got nine months after that to pay it all. Next time on Get On The Money. Is it better to rent or buy a house? Oh, just come and come and move back for two years. It would help me reach that goal. But at the same time, that means moving back in with mum and dad. It's about living my adult life in my childhood house. You'll find out the best way of future-proofing your finances if you can't get on the housing ladder. If you're getting good tips and advice from Get On The Money, please rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 
The Get On The Money podcast is out every other Thursday. To continue the conversation, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Get On The Money. Thanks for listening and see you next time.